Every day since November 2014, I've been forcing myself to write 500 words before second breakfast. I have a progress bar in the app that I use that helps keep track of the word count in real time. Sometimes I barely break the 500 word finish line, but sometimes I write more and the words just flow. I miss some days, but I'm usually good at making up for them. One thing's for sure, in those four and a half years that have passed, I've amassed quite a bit of writing. I email what I write to myself every morning, so now these words I've written are searchable. I can type in a keyword. I could put in your name into the search box, and the results will yellow highlight all the times I've mentioned you within all these words. He writes me, always thinking of you. I dreamt of you again last night. Michael Poulton was in the dream too. He was very much still alive in the dream, still the Bowie of Peterborough. In the dream, we were dancing inside an art gallery. On a side note, I found an audio recording of a lunch I had with Michael Poulton today. The file was unlabeled. It took me a little while to recognize his voice, but when I did, I howled for a little while out of grief. I had another friend from university die a couple days ago. I'm feeling mortal and urgent lately. Hence all of the action to communicate and reach out. Outside my window, the trees are finally showing off their bright fluorescent green. I'm Lester Alfonso. You're listening to Soundproof on Trent Radio, 92.7 CFFF-FM in beautiful Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. Soundproof is creative nonfiction for audio with field recordings, personal journals, musical investigations, and more. Today's episode... <laughs> oh, man. Drew a blank. I drew a blank completely. New message, 3.16 p.m. Hey, I hear you with the grief mortality thing. Seems like loss increases with age. But I remind myself that the loss is the size of the love I was fortunate enough to feel. Michael's death is still a little unreal to me. I can imagine coming across a recording like that could really trigger the realness of it. Love you. So I've been collecting answers to the question, what is art, for over 10 years now. Um, It's been an ongoing project. There was a web series, then a radio show. I've amassed quite a bit of an archive. And artist Michael Poulton was one of the first artists I interviewed back when I started the project in 2007. He's recently passed away now. And uh, so I dug up the footage recently, and I found that what he said still resonated with me quite a bit. In alchemy, they talked about the right-hand path and the left-hand path. 
and most people walk the right-hand path, and um, uh, but some people walk the left-hand path, and I think artists walk the left-hand path. You try to be in the world, but not of it. So, and you try to. I think you're, we're reporters to some extent. We, you know, we report what we see, um, what we experience, um, for whatever it's worth. I asked Michael some big questions. I asked him, "What is an artist, and what does it take for an artist to survive?" You know, um, I've always thought it, what it takes is wit, right? You, you, we all live on our wits um, uh, almost entirely. You, you um, uh, the, the pure survival part is almost magic as far as I'm concerned. If you commit yourself to that kind of that left-hand path or, or whatever, and, and you really commit yourself to it, um, it takes over basically and 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 carries you along. Um, it's always it's always um, living on the edge, like financially, always living on the edge. Um, uh, I had a. Um, Went to see a doctor a couple of years ago, and he um, uh, first time I'd seen him, he was a specialist. And, and uh, first thing he said, "Oh, he said you're an artist." He said, uh, "He said now there's a nice stress-free occupation." And I thought he doesn't know what he's talking about, you know, because if you never know where your next uh, next the next money's coming from to pay the rent or buy food or anything like that, it's not a stress-free occupation, um, but it is an interesting occupation. Have you ever fantasized about what it would be like to live someone else's life for a minute or two? I think about that sometimes. Like when I see someone calmly walking by the water's edge while I'm on my way to work, or while watching someone meticulously plant shop for their garden while I'm too broke and too gardenless to plant anything and grow it. Wouldn't it be nice to inhabit another person's existence just briefly? It would likely give me some perspective at least. I think mostly I hope it would provide a moment's peace from my life, take a break from this existence to rest from the weight, the weight of it all, just for a minute or two. Growing up, I was told that I could be anyone or anything I dreamed of being. But I think that's what messes me up most now. I'm learning more and more as we all do, we all do eventually, that, that anything, anything comes with its own hand-me-down set of parameters. It takes an awful lot these days to push past those boundaries and reconnect with the child who really believed in me. I feel like it's too late for me in so many ways, for so many things. I know you'd say that's only true if I let it be. 
I guess I just dreamed of being part of something important by now. Something big. Something that would tell me without a doubt that I had lived up to my potential. I've always had this feeling like I was destined for more. But lately I'm feeling, I'm feeling is less. It's not all bad though. It's spring, the birds are singing, the stream is flowing again, and the signs of life reborn always gives me hope. And in my mind, in the far away here and now, I've become in control somehow, and I never lose my temper, because I will be a picture of discipline never screwing up anything and I'll be a good defensive driver and it's funny how I imagine that I would be that person now but it does not seem to have happened maybe I've just forgotten how to see that I'm not exactly the person that I thought I'd be. And in my mind, when I'm old, I am beautiful, planting tulips and vegetables. Which I will mindfully watch over Not like me now I'm so busy with everything That I don't look at anything But I'm sure I'll look when I'm older And it's funny how I imagine that I could be that person now. But that's not what I want. If that's what I wanted, I'd be giving up somehow. How strange to see that I don't want to be the person that I want to be. Imagine so many things, things that aren't really happening. And when they put me in the ground, I'll start pounding the lid, saying I haven't finished yet. I still have a tattoo to get that says, I'm living in the moment 
And it's funny how I imagine that I could win this winless fight. But maybe it isn't all that funny that I've been fighting all my life. But maybe I have to think it's funny if I want to live before I die. And maybe it's funniest of all to think I'll die before I actually see that I am exactly the person that I want to be. Oh, hell yeah. I'm exactly the person that I want to be. You know, um, you, you, know well, you asked what is art at the beginning and, and what is an artist. Um, uh, artist, uh, you know, art to me is, I mean, because I, I've wondered a lot about basically, you know, what is art and what isn't art. Um, uh, and, and it, you know, art with um, a small A is a whole spectrum of things. It's um, it's a big long line of things from from the um, absurd to the sublime, and um, and uh, in some ways it's not a it's maybe it's not a linear thing. It's a, a Taoist kind of way. It's a circle, and. Um, because a lot of the, you know, the great art um, is, uh, you know, approaches, it is, it is transcendent, I guess. And um, it's transcendent, it transcends um, the mundanity of life. And uh, so the great, great art, um, uh, you know, is, is getting further and further away from the mundanity of life. It's, it's 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 moving more to the fringes of of rational thought. Fighting for something. Survivor. I see it in slow motion. Sweat flies off the body, hair awry, struggling to get there first over each succeeding obstacle. Survival of the prettiest. Dry shampoo, imagine this dry ice. But there's so much more to fight for. I notice that I haven't put certain things on my to-do list. If I'm not fighting for something, then am I just punching fists into the air? I'm just waiting for the music to stop so I can start fighting for a chair. Musical chairs was probably the first time I ever fought for something, and maybe the last. Make your own form, fight to be yourself, fight for the right to party. No matter what happens, you got to take care of yourself first. I need support. I need support to fulfill my functions. I need training. I need an office, 
I need staff. I need clients. I need a telephone. This support will help me as well as help others. I'm adopting a lifestyle where I am more able to give to the world. I deserve to give. Help me know what I need. I want to see myself in my future life, writing the movie of my life with love. I want to see myself completely on the path and working purposefully on my life mission. I see my kids feeling comfortable to be in my big house. This is their big house too. The big house has large spaces for community celebrations and creations. My kids are confident to answer the door and greet guests with a feeling of ownership. They feel safe to stay and belong to have their own rooms in this big house. I ask to have my intentions aligned with love to manifest what I need. I truly believe that we are here to bless and prosper each other. I reflect this belief in my daily interactions. Opportunities are everywhere. I have unlimited choices. I deserve to have a successful career and I accept it now. I have unlimited potential and I accept it now. My workspace is a pleasure to be in and I accept it now. People give up. So often we don't talk about, you know, do we like we're polite? Or, I mean, sometimes I think, what would people say if they saw me working at Starbucks? Yeah, yeah. Like, what are the, are you going to be polite? Am I going to, am, am I going to fake it and say, Yeah, I'm doing this as research for a film I'm making. <laughs> right. I often think of some, like I was talking to my friend yesterday and I said, sometimes I get jealous of dental hygienists, right? And she laughed because she understood. And it was more like, I sometimes heard like an ad on the radio for like, you know, dental hygienists and whatever. And I'm, it's not, it's that I'm jealous, I think, that they have They have a thing. They decided that that's what they're doing. And to the outside, it seems like you're just in there dental hygienisting and that's what you like. You know, that's what you're doing. Your life seems like you chose this thing and you're doing it and it seems pretty simple and straightforward and it gives you what you need. And it just, it seems, I'm almost jealous of people because I feel like I don't have that. Uh, I don't have one discipline. I've never been somebody who's had in my in any of my pursuits, one area of focus that I've spent, you know, I don't think I'm going to reach the end of my life and say, I've worked 30 years on this one specific thing, which in some ways I hate and also in some ways I love because it's somewhat freeing, but also somewhat terrifying. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. It's a funny choice that you uh, chose dental hygienist as an <laughs> occupation because um, I'm not sure how true this is, but I think I've heard or read somewhere that that's one of the number one occupations for suicides. No way. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how your friend would be envious of that if she knew or if they knew. It was me. Who's oh, it was you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. I think... Asking for a friend. <laughs> that's right. no, that's yeah. the title of the next podcast. <laughs> I think that's a great title. Asking no, for is. a friend. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So having a, having um, all the time in the world to do whatever you wanted um, and the resources. Um, I feel like I have that now, and it's overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And I and having a job. Where yeah, well, this is gonna take up my time from eight a.m. to six p.m. Mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna be really raring to go with my project after that because I've held myself back. So in a way, it helps you mm-hmm. regulate your life or compartmentalize. If you have all the time in the world, sometimes it's hard to make your own discipline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's balance ultimately. Yeah. But what does that balance look like? I think often it's very different for one person to another. And I think that's why there's no, I think that's again why, you know, going back to what Michael Poulton said about committing to the left, you know, left-hand path, that that's, I, I think that's probably in itself what that means. Like it, there isn't a defined, that path is, is completely un, uncharted. And that is terrifying, but also so liberating. But only if there's like a, a balance, only if you're able to walk that tightrope between the two of them. I, I like conversations like this because I feel it really like puts into perspective for me. I think we get in our own minds a lot about like the struggles we're having. And I think it's nice to know that that's not like a, it doesn't, it's, this process is not linear, much like many of the like healing processes are not linear, nor is the creation of myself. <laughs> so I'm, you know, often trying to judge where I'm at on this line of like, I was there and now I want to be here. But I don't think it works. It's not, it's not a linear process. So it's kind of, you know. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, um, I was thinking earlier about the phrase struggling with depression because um, I hear that a lot, you know, I've struggled with depression or I'm struggling with depression right now. And uh, I kind of want to say it too. I kind of want to say it to people, but it's not like I'm not, the struggle means I'm still up. Mm-hmm. The struggle means <laughs> I'm getting battered and bruised mm-hmm. and I'm still up. Right. Um, right. When the struggle is over, uh, one of us is one. Right. So the struggle. So it's always an ongoing. It's an ongoing. So it's yeah. an always ongoing yeah. dance, improvise, improvised dance <laughs> that you have to do. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. This is from Michael Poulton's obituary. Being an artist was more than a profession. Michael created a rich and fulfilling world where his life became his art. He was inspired by the beauty and wonder he saw in the world, and he was compelled to reflect these qualities in his highly esoteric but always tongue-in-cheek body of work. While he traveled broadly, his life revolved around the Museum of Temporary Art, his studio and gallery and home to himself, his beloved partner Marg McGraw and their son Priam. Michael was a superb raconteur, entertaining his friends with tales that illustrated his humorous observations meted out by life's unpredictability. His profound humility along with his gentle wit and his generosity 
towards others were qualities that won him the affection of many lifelong friends, who were greatly saddened by the news of his death. For all of us who knew him, Michael enriched our experience of the world immeasurably, and how much richer a place it remains thanks to him. I had to play it a million times so I wouldn't cry, but I could play it because it would bring back memories of Michael dancing. But I told days ago I was reading a sketchbook of Michael's and I came across an entry which I'd forgotten. A brief stop on the way home. While I wander around the big fluorescent lit room of other people's things, I hear the opening music of Peter Gabriel Salisbury Hill. I am halted as by an old friend and close my eyes the better to hear the words over the hubbub of the school. Hi, Michael. You're quite an artist, a good man, and a good friend. I want to remember you the way your dear wife suggested at the celebration of your life. I want to hold on to this image of you dancing to this song. Climbing up on Salisbury Hill I could see the city light Wind was blowing, time stood still
produced and edited by Lester Alfonso with help from co-producer Carly Van Spronson. Special thanks to audio engineer Michael Phillips for mastering this episode. He offers major label quality music production, mixing, recording, audio editing, and just about anything you can think of in the world of audio engineering. Go to www.soundsgoodmikey.com for more details. Extra special thanks to Marg and Priam. Thanks to Alex and all the staff and volunteers at Trent Radio 92.7 CFFFFM in beautiful Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. Follow the podcast on iTunes. For complete credits, check the show notes or go to lesteralfonso.com soundproof. Thanks again so much for listening.